0: The world didn't need another hockey podcast; it needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Um, the fact Good. that we're talking means something. Okay. Good morning,
1: Mike. And to start us off, happy Pi Day. Yesterday was Pi Day. Did you have pie? Actually, I did not have pie. However, since it doesn't actually mean pie in that sense. <laughs> I guess I didn't. What
0: do you mean?
1: Uh, Pi day would be 314, as in the number pi, 3.14. You knew that. Stop. All right, move on.
0: (laughs) I was just trying to open on a positive note before we dive into this virus thing. Oh, please. We're not talking only about the damn virus today. And honestly, it's about the most overhyped thing of the year. And yes, I know we're only in March. Wait, more so than the Pittsburgh Penguins? Amazingly, somehow the Pittsburgh Penguins have been surpassed in hype.
1: Nice. I didn't think it was possible. I'm not sure
0: how, but yeah, it it has actually happened. Um, More more so even than uh, the Toronto fans believe that the Leafs were winning the cup at the beginning of the year. I mean, that belief was pretty much entirely gone by like the end of October, but more so than their belief at the beginning of the year.
1: Yeah. I don't think I had that belief. Oh wait, I'm not a Toronto fan. Okay.
0: Um, so (laughs) why don't we get the obnoxious and stupid and, uh, out of the way first.
1: Okay. So there are
0: no sports right now. No.
1: Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's one thing here and it's, it's one thing. And here in Boston where you've got multiple sports teams, it, it's one th- you expect that there's going to be something on. And yeah, it happens. There's the, there's the, the day before the, the baseball all-star game where there's literally no sports. Cause it, Winter sports are done and, and baseball is not playing and, and football hasn't started up yet. But uh, it, or you'll have a, a hole in the schedule where you have one day. But this whole weekend to not have anything to watch has really opened my eyes to what the next two weeks minimum is going to look like.
0: And honestly, I was <sighs> I was hoping to get a look at the new rugby <laughs> league this week uh, between uh, hockey games and, yeah, can't do that. Um, NHL is shut down. Um, NFL has delayed the start of its season. NBA is shut down. Um, most of the European leagues are completely shut down um, or at least suspended. Um, and well, most things are most
1: things are in a suspension hold, let's wait and see kind of mode they're expecting that the virus is going to peak and then, and then dwindle off. Uh, so it, it, most of it is in most of the leagues are in suspension and, and holding like the, the English premier league day, they, uh, they, they actually gave themselves a date to shoot for of, of April 4th. I believe it was uh, the NHL hasn't really issued a date. They just said uh, indefinitely. The NBA said indefinitely, uh, the one that really gets to me, and I'm not sure what, I'm not sure if they're close to the end of the season anyway, uh, is the ECHL, the minor, minor leagues. Uh, where you no, go no, no. if you're.
0: It's just the minor leagues.
1: Where you go if you're a bad boy, I guess. Um and we did. We saw the we saw the Railers against the Atlanta Gladiators, the Bruins minor league minor league affiliate. And that was, uh, if you watched it for just pure entertainment value, it was uh, it was okay. I mean, we, we it talked was about the
0: hockey, but speed wise, it
1: no. <laughs> we talked about the fans and their their bloodlust. Um, uh, and it, and it, it became bloodlust by middle of the third period because they hadn't had a fight up to that point. Uh, but the ECHL has actually canceled the remainder of the season and their playoffs not suspended canceled.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: it, it doesn't explain a lot in the article from ESPN, um, the quote is that the decision does not come likely as it's an emotion as this is an emotional time for our players, coaches, member teams, fans, and staff. Uh, but each day raises additional concerns for the safety of those in their community. Uh, it has become apparent this is the prudent decision. They do have 26 teams, which is a decent sized league. Uh, they have not. They have. They have not named anybody a champion, which I think is the one positive thing out of this is rather than naming the top two teams, co-champions or giving somebody whatever the name of their cup is. And I regret to say that I did not look up the name of their championship cup.
0: I want to say it's the Grey Cup, but don't quote me.
1: Uh, They did
0: only my head. uh, I don't remember.
1: All they did was uh, – all the, all the article does is tell us that the top two teams are the S- South Carolina Stingrays and the Florida Everblades, who both had the 92 Cup. points.
0: It's the Kelly Cup.
1: The Kelly Cup. So I don't know if they're – they have not – and this article does not indicate whether they are handing it out. I'm going to guess that they aren't because I'm sure if they were going to, they would have made some kind of announcement, but I haven't been able to find that information, so I'm going to guess they aren't handing out a championship. But to outright cancel just seems a little bit uh, putting the cart ahead of the horse, I think.
0: See, I I think that even the suspension is mm, decidedly suboptimal and only contributes to the panic we've seen in some areas uh i really not not simply because of the fact of the panic but because the people who are not spending time thinking about their fantasy sports teams going to see their games uh taking their family to the games watching the games themselves they are not going to focus on anything positive you get in a bad mood you think about bad things that's the way it is and, you know, panic is not something that dwindles by focusing on it more. Fear just doesn't go away when you think about the source of the fear more and more. It, I'm sorry, it's, this is not something I agree with. I would rather see the games played without, without an audience. If the players are willing to play, I would rather see, the, I would rather see it happen without an audience um statistically the players are at such low risk that they are it's a much lower concern i, I the only thing i was and i i regret to
1: uh, i not regret but i i i am remiss to call it a sport but wwe smackdown was live on friday night yep <clears throat> and i watched To watch anything and not have any kind of audience response, not have any kind of reaction from the crowd, I think playing games without audiences takes away from the the home field advantage, so to speak. Uh,
0: Yes, it does, but you only play half your games there anyways, and you only have a home field advantage if you're a good team. Every single person in the NHL, in the NBA has played on a bad team at least once in their career. You get used to it. As a professional, you get used to playing in hostile or empty buildings. We've seen you turn on college hockey at any given point in the year, doesn't matter whether you're watching Michigan or BC or Colorado, there is they're, they're going to be playing to a half empty barn at some point and at some point if the game's not going their way it's going to be really really quiet but there it's are still waited. some
1: people in the stands there is still some chatter some noise somebody's cheering for you and a completely empty stadium is a an entirely different effect there's no crowd reaction there's yeah, no that's, feeding that's off the there's no feeding
0: off the crowd and i'm and as a You're player to, as a you, professional you soldier on you you get the job done but,
1: but as, and I understand that but as a player having that
0: no, no, having, do we want do we want to see empty completely empty stadiums no is it a better option than not playing the games at all when the players and most of the building staff are at minimal risk yes the thing it, it, the,
1: and and that leads into I've been having this discussion with some friends of mine. They've been asking me about uh, what's going to happen. What do I think is going to happen? And the one thing that everybody has to remember is that hockey is different from all the other sports because in all the other sports, uh, baseball can shorten their season. Basketball, you can play it pretty much any time. You just need a building and a floor yep, and two hoops. Um Football, they play it in in inclement weather anyway, unless there's lightning. Hockey requires one thing the other sports don't, and that is ice. And unfortunately, you can't extend the season into July or even late June. I mean, ice ice conditions get complained about in late May during the playoffs. Yeah. Forget about going into June, July. So unfortunately, yeah, in hockey. Maybe that should have been something considered, because you can't play a Stanley Cup final in the first week of July. You're going to be skating on water. And
0: I mean, leaving leaving aside the skating factor, one um, injuries. Two, July first is July first is Canadian uh, is a is a major Canadian holiday, holiday uh, Canada Day. July it's 4th also the is a first, major American holiday. It's the first day of free
1: agency. Free agency. So, what if you don't finish the season by then? Then you've got players who aren't under contract. Also, I mean,
0: it's after the draft. Are you actually going to draft uh, without knowing what order the last four or six teams are in?
1: Uh, yeah, I think the I think NHL has. I. I Personal opinion, I felt that the NHL had a much harder decision to reach as far as whether to suspend or play in front of audiences. Everybody that I've heard on the NHL network, all the sports talking heads and pundits and whatnot, all said that this was the correct decision. Send everybody home, give them a couple of weeks to stay away from large groups and then reconvene. in some ways, I agree with it, but it is tough because I don't. how do you shorten the season? Now they have to make the decision as to whether the last games played, is that considered the end of the regular season? And then what about teams that are one or two points out, like the Arizona Coyotes who are going to complain that they didn't get their opportunity to, to get back into the playoff picture? Do you have play? Do you have play-in games? I heard that suggested on the NHL Network. Uh, it, so they opened up a can of worms here. That maybe playing games in front of no audiences might have quelled those worries.
0: So here's here's the question. Well, or for, just for the sake of discussion, we're going to assume that on uh, March, uh, we'll call it March uh, 28th. The NHL season resumes. Uh, they're going to play the rest of their games. If they reschedule everything so that they can play in an uncompressed manner, <laughs> is that the best option?
1: My my problem is, and, and we actually found an we actually found a a small article re- relating to that. But my problem is, you can't just start right up again. Why not? They haven't they haven't skated for two weeks, Uh, and they might be skating on their own, but it's certainly not at any kind of uh, uh, organized fashion. We're not talking about game speed. We're not talking about even close to game speed. So you can't just start the season on Saturday the twenty eighth. You have to bring players back, get them back into organized workouts. Build back up again. You're talking about another, what, week minimum? If you have practices every day. Uh, Again, like you said, you just jump right back in and start playing. How many hamstrings are you going to pull? How many ankles are you going to turn? Point
0: pulls. um, People getting blindsided because they aren't reacting at game speed. Yeah, all of that. Um, That being said...
1: You know, and that being said, since it's a nice little segue to a very quick thing, um, Donald Fear, the associate, the NHLPA associate chief, association chief, uh, has told the Associated Press that he expects teams will be cleared to open their training facilities to allow player workouts as early as next week. So if we're looking for a little bit of positive uh, there, it it says here there is no definitive timeline.
0: Okay. Uh, so assume they're back, assume they're back in the buildings on the 22nd training and they're back on the ice for the 28th or, or the 29th to start games. Maybe they play a compressed schedule and they jam in four games a week until all the regular season games are done. So maybe you're only starting the postseason Bruins. ten days late versus two three weeks late.
1: Bruins had what eighteen games remaining on the schedule? Oh, um, not that many. Oh no, I might be thinking seventy games. I might be thinking NBA. Okay. Um, so if you,
0: but if they do
1: actually, if this actually happens and they do open training facilities and they start having. Some sort of coordinated workouts and exercises and practices, and, and the players can work themselves up, then yes, it is possible that by March 28th, 29th, the following weekend, you could see actual games being played. My question is are those games going to be played in front of uh, empty seats, or are they going to start oh, letting 12 people? 12 games remaining. Hmm?
0: The Bruins have 12 games remaining.
1: Okay. So yeah, um, some sort of compressed schedule. You could still finish the season by the end of April. I still don't. I mean, even if, you, ugh. yeah, because you're still running they still have the June. they still have the West Coast swing. So you're not talking about you're still just,
0: running till June.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: um, till the end of June for the games. You probably you may have to actually push the draft back a couple of days, or yeah. just you know, figure out a, figure out a lottery pull uh, that's fair to the four or five teams remaining the day before the draft or two di- two or three days before the draft and say, Hey, this is what we have to do. Um, you know, between picks, whatever, uh, you know, 25 and 31, uh, this is how we're going to do it. But that's, that's that's the reality of what's going on. Uh, the re, well, the yeah, the reality is that the reality is that with they the have a suspension. There are no good decisions left.
1: Yeah, there aren't any with in this particular case. There aren't any. You, like I said, other sports, you can truncate, you can. You can play the rest of the regular season when you restart and you can just truncate next season or push the start back or because, yeah, you're still in other sports in, in the NBA, for instance. Even after the playoffs, you still got to have some a little bit of layoff time before you start the next season. You okay. can't just start it two weeks later.
0: Here's here's another idea. Maybe maybe you do actually truncate uh, the NHL season. Instead, I think the Bruins were eight,
1: What this year game. or next year
0: this year.
1: I was going to say, right. As far as hockey is concerned, you have to worry about this season. You can't be concerned with what you could do next year because you do have to worry about if you plan on having playoffs, you have to have the playoffs done. In my opinion, you have to have them done by the first like the first week in June, which is usually when they end up finishing last. They've
0: week. gone later. They've gone later. I don't
1: want to see it too much later than that. I mean, first, second week tops.
0: Okay. Right now, the teams with the most games uh, played have played uh, 71 uh, games. The teams with the least games played have played 68. Uh Uh-huh. Instead of playing all 82, to ensure that there's no – or to lessen the chances of ties – Everyone plays up to game 75.
1: That was the same number I had in my head. We think alike.
0: whatever games that they can get back, you know, existing games plus whatever um, ex- games that have not yet been canceled or missed. Mm-hmm. Um, you get up to that 75 and that's that's the lot. That's the time you're done.
1: OK, Uh we could, and, and you know we could pretty much do this all day, but now I'm going to play a little bit of the devil's advocate. And if we decide to, and I think that I'm not dismissing the idea. I think it's it's certainly a valid idea. But now you've got to turn around and ask yourself, instead of the 12 games you were going to play, you're only going to play seven. Which of those 12, Which which seven of those 12 games get to be played and which five are going to lose out on that revenue.
0: Whatever is currently scheduled as the next available dates. When you resume hockey, um, those are the next ones that are played. Uh, as long as there's, a, as long as the other team is available. So if That's the it.
1: Bruins, so if the Bruins under suspension, under suspension, league suspension, miss the West coast trip, they don't make it up. They just start the, uh, they, they just start, start with up with whatever accurate. game is scheduled from March 29th on, which is like three days left in the league. But
0: yep. that's um, so, so you could potentially already there. If there's commercial flights or chartered flights, those may still be in place. You go with what's going to be the least work and least chaos for everybody.
1: So you're changing the difficult, uh, the, the, who has the most or least difficult schedules to get to the end of the se- the end of the season,
0: estimations, estimations on difficulty of schedule. Yeah. Very widely based on who's writing it. And
1: <laughs> I agree on that one
0: injuries <laughs> and surprise and surprise and positive and positive and negative surprises for that matter. Okay. No one expected the Winnipeg Jets to make the playoffs after losing four of their top six defensemen. And yet, uh, if the playoffs started right now, I believe they would have a spot. Yeah, I do they believe the they wild are. Card spot. I
1: was just say I do believe they're in a wild card position. Yeah.
0: Um. So, anyone who tells you they know which teams are going to get into the playoffs at the beginning of the year, yeah, no. You might be able to guess two or three of them if you can guess all sixteen or. If you can guess 10 playoff teams at the start of the year on a consistent basis, you're doing something.
1: We did pretty good so far, but if, if we if we go back and look at our prediction,
0: which <laughs> we're not going to do it today.
1: No, we're not. <laughs>
0: um,
1: um, on a lesser so- on a lesser note then, just a, a, on a, a since you're talking about uh, this and that and I'm looking at standings and then and it prompted me to think of the stats. Uh, players who are up for league awards do they get any kind of indicator next to their name Uh, I don't necessarily have to be an asterisk but I mean if you don't play a full season uh, and yet you win the MVP you win the heart Trophy you win the Selfie Trophy is there some kind of indicator that it was a shortened season a truncated season
0: uh, I don't remember them for like the 2000, what was it, 12 season, or for the for any of the other lockouts. Um, I would just say, hey, you won, you won. Everyone has right. the games ahead of them.
1: Fair enough. I'm not. I, it was a question. That's all. Uh, I feel. I, I do. I do think that teams that and, and you can everybody can use the argument that well they should have done better when they had the opportunity, but teams that are literally to Vancouver is tied with Nashville uh, Minnesota's one point out in in the Minnesota's west Minnesota's
0: one point out tells you how squishy the west is
1: yeah not that, how good
0: not how good Minnesota is because they're not
1: well I don't know I would take Kevin Fiala
0: <laughs> they have good players and I I will I firmly believe that that team somehow manages to be less than the sum of its parts
1: I agree on that one. I don't understand how they continually manage to shoot and miss the target by miles under. yeah they under and it's not like they're missing it to the left or right there they're hitting below the target <laughs> like they're aiming at the middle and shooting down instead of aiming slightly above and hitting the middle I don't know uh, but that's another story for another time uh let's see go ahead what else do we got here no i was just trying to put a bow on uh, on whether i'm done
0: talking about coronavirus today absolutely done we're not bringing it up anymore um let's talk about the players who will benefit okay there's a lot of guys who have been very injured if they manage to make it back um and their teams are going into the playoffs uh, and them with them this extra time to heal, uh, the extra downtime uh, and even just some of the older players or more worked players. Mm-hmm. Guys like Zdena Chara. Yeah, he's a physical fitness freak. He's going to benefit um, uh, even. Um, sorry, Steven Stamkos. He's absolutely going to benefit from this. Um, The extra two or three weeks are going to pull back the pace of some people, even though uh, they're going to, even though they're going to be rested, they're going to have a little bit of rust to blow off. um, Should the season resume Um, Brock Besser coming back out of the injured reserve just a few days before uh, games were halted. He's, he's, he's certainly going to benefit uh, if he's got the equipment and everything to work out at home, which it would shock me if he didn't. Um, he has a little bit more time to get a little fitter, get a little stronger while uh, uh, while games aren't being played. Um, we know we know from just watching hockey for most of our lives that hockey players are going to come back the second that they think that they can. And whenever they can talk someone into it, not when they're a hundred percent. Uh, so him, uh, a few other guys who've come back recently, including Connor Clifton, these guys are all going to benefit to some extent from the shutdown. Okay. As long as they stay active while it's going on.
1: All right. um, I just I, – I was hoping that this would be an opportune time for uh, Don Sweeney to pick up the phone and call one of his uh, defensemen or maybe that defenseman's agent.
0: Oh, please, please, please. You must be talking about Jeremy Lozon, who's, who just at the prize of some people had a good season, right? That, that's well, yeah.
1: Uh, apparently, Jeremy Lozon's impressive, but um, no, there's a there, there is a defenseman that you know we should be concerned with. Uh, yeah, Dano
0: Chara. I just talked about him. I mean, he's had a monster year. He yeah. played more games than any other defenseman. Um, huge minutes and still looks good doing it.
1: Huge minutes. Yeah. No, there's this this Tory guy. He's from Michigan.
0: Oh, um, okay. Him. T- I I was assuming that you were going to talk about Matt
1: Grizzly well then he needs to sign that one too so yeah I was I was just kind of hoping that you know he could be picking up the phone they they don't like to talk in season and all this whatever crap reasons they want to give us uh, you're not playing right now I realize there are some things to think about but uh, pick up the phone let's get this deal done <laughs> because yeah Tory crew is gonna cost you a lot more in free agency Uh Because if you lose him, how do you replace him? And yeah, Grizzly does fit the Tory Krug mold in some ways, but not in all ways.
0: He's not as offensively gifted. He's probably slightly better defensively, but no, he's not. I think he's,
1: you're going to disagree with this one, I think, but I think he's, I think he's a better skater than Tory Krug. Uh, Uh, Slightly faster than Tory Krug.
0: I'm not sure. Faster, I will give you more agile. Um, I don't think. Okay, maybe. Of, yeah.
1: Maybe it's like the agility. Like better lateral I think.
0: movement. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like
1: them both. I would like to see them both stick around
0: for a long time.
1: Yes. Uh, but it. it yeah. There are there are a number of players that are gonna, and that are gonna be able to refresh themselves. I mean, all the players, I it, it, it's the season is, is, is a, a battle of attrition and it's going to benefit all the players. But yeah, there are the ones who are on IR that are going to really benefit from this.
0: And you know who it actually kind of hurts and not badly because he's doing well and he's signed forever. anyways, uh, a local guy that it hurts is uh, Brad Marchand. He's only at uh, 28 goals, which will be his lowest total in half a decade at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, half a decade since 2014-15 season. If he ends the year under 30 goals, it'll be that'll be the first time uh, in a long time.
1: Again, do you put any kind of indicator next to it that it was a shortened season? It, in that case, I would start I mean, he's looking
0: well at... over a point per game. I mean, is it 87 or 70 games? That's where
1: I was going to go. If you break it down to how many games he actually played in for the season, what was his goals per game or, or you know, whatever, points per game average, uh, and just look at it from that point, what kind of increase, you know, is he still on track? Is he still going up? If the points per game is down, then I could see being a little bit, uh, you know, uh, He's had a downtrend, but if his points per game is still going up, then it's not a big deal whether he didn't make it to 30 goals. It would be nice to keep that streak going. I get it. But yeah. There's not the a whole lot were... he can do with a season that's shortened or suspended or whatever. It's not his call.
0: Yeah. The Bruins were on pace to have, to be the only team in the league to have three 30 goal scorers, five years in a row. Um, and that might not happen now, even if they shorten the year, it might not happen because, you know, it's going to take a couple of games to get back into shape, even though we know Brad is one of the uh, more athletic players in the league. Um, it, it, it might take him a, a week or so to get or even two weeks to get back into shape if they just go with a quick resume and only one or two days of um, only one or two days of practice before resuming action. No. Okay. I'd like to think he'd walk onto the ice and, you know, take forty shot forty shots in his first sixty minutes of play, but I think that's a little unrealistic. But if he's at if he's at twenty eight goals and
1: pasta's at what forty eight goals, they're both yeah. looking to hit milestones. Yeah. And the way they score, it shouldn't take them. I mean, it yeah, take
0: them more than six or seven games to both get to their milestone.
1: Players, I mean, players do start pressing. look at look at Ovi when he was at six ninety eight. It took him what a full week before he finally scored a goal and got to six ninety nine. Something it, like that. It, yeah, the players do whether they want to admit it or not, it all it happens to all players. They start
0: pressing. They're squeezing their stick a little harder, a little tighter. And you Every, have to remember the other end of it, too. No one wants to be the goalie who gives up someone's milestone goal.
1: Agreed. So everybody's playing. So the goaltenders and everybody in front of them are playing a little bit harder so that they're not the they're not the, the answer to a trivia question. Yep. So, yeah, I'm not going to say they're going to do it right away in, in one or two games back. But, yeah, they should be able to do it in like five or six. So, how many games do you need it to? When you resume, if we resume truncated, how many, you know, how many games are they going to need? I think it's still doable. I think they'll still both reach their milestones. But if it should not happen, I don't know that I necessarily hang my head over it because it was it wasn't something that they had control over.
0: Uh yeah, it's. It's just one of those things you have to – that's going to come into it, um, and it'll be one of those points that gets discussed by people who weren't paying attention. Um, let's talk a little bit about the Sabres. Why? <laughs> because they – are,
1: They are currently um, – yeah, well – They are
0: currently on uh, un- un- good.
1: Currently well out of a playoff spot. I mean, 68 points in 69 games, uh, five spots out of the second wild card position, and by a vast number of points, uh, 13 to be exact. So, our, so what are we talking about with Buffalo? Hit me with it.
0: uh Our good friend uh, Anthony Schiandra, who we've never met, uh, posted a story on the 11th uh, about how badly the the goaltending has hamstrung them. I um, don't want to bring up Robin Robin Leonard. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, Next, Robin <laughs> Leonard uh, is one of the like seven goalies on this chart, uh, courtesy of uh, Sean Tierney at Charting Hockey. Um, who's well above uh, expected goal uh, saves per goal. Yes, but he was Uh, saved above the expectation and he's not in Buffalo anymore. Yes.
1: I was going to say, my point is he was in Buffalo and now he's not.
0: (laughs) Interestingly enough, Mackenzie Blackwood is another one of the goalies who's got uh, good uh, goal above expectation. Good young
1: Um, keeper down there in New Jersey. They've got, they've got a, New Jersey is another one of those teams, and I'm not going to get off on a rant, but New Jersey is another one of those teams that has young pieces here and there. They need to figure out how to make it work, and he's one of them. I think Mackenzie Blackwood is going to be a good
0: one. Next. Linus Elmark is really not good. Well, yeah, he would be on the bottom part of this chart. Not good. I mean, we've talked about – Martin Jones being ungood, and he is, uh, he has been this year. Um, I don't know how, what happened to Linus, uh, that he just fell apart like this because he wasn't always this bad. Um, I mean, you can look at Frederick Anderson and you understand that the, the, the no fence in front of him uh, doesn't actually play defense, but the Buffalo defense isn't leg- isn't that terrible. Mm-hmm. I, I honestly I think it's probably as good as Toronto's or better, um, almost certainly better uh, in their own zone. Is um, there
1: is there a is there a is there a, a is there a key to this? Like so many games played or so many. Because I'm noticing that some teams have both of their goalies on this list, but uh, the Bruins do not. They only show Tuca.
0: Which is rather odd, given how many games that...
1: uh, That's why I'm asking. Plus, there's a bar down here that doesn't have a name next to it. Right above uh, minus all mark. uh,
0: Chris uh, or Sean Tierney, and give him an ask.
1: No, Uh, we can also go to... Actually, at it looks like and see if we can pull it up. No, my question is because I'm looking at it and I understand that Linus hallmarks struggled and unfortunately Carter Hutton or not unfortunately, but Carter Hutton is not a number one. He never has been until he got to Buffalo. That's why they brought him in uh, because he had a couple of really good seasons wherever he was before that um, St. Louis, I believe it was. If you look at the, you look at some of these teams, and I don't know if I could blame it all on on the goaltending. Like Nashville, both of their goaltenders are in the bottom half of this list. Yep. And I'm I'm a huge Yusei Soros fan. You know this. You've heard me talk about him before. Yep. I, I he's the heir apparent. Pekarene is having a really off season. His his save percentage is under ninety. You say Saros just got off a, a hot streak where he was almost three goal, three games in a row with uh, 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 shutouts. But even he's below his career numbers. Uh, so in some cases, I'm wondering if there aren't outside factors affecting the goaltender's numbers. Is this one of those charts where – and that was Robin Leonard's thing. Is the, A couple weeks ago we talked about there wasn't a real good way to compare – goalies to goalies
0: no um and i think that that's one of those things that we may never see in hockey which i'm there's just in some ways okay with as a fan so
1: subjective because of the players in front of the goaltender
0: yes and you it's hard that's one of the things i like about hockey is that in order to truly understand the sport you have to watch it to the point where you can spot the difference makers by more than just their goal total, um, but in the performance versus expectations chart in this article, yeah, um, it breaks it, it. It's broken down into like most scatter charts. It's broken down into um, into four quadrants, although not quite even. Um, top right, best performance, uh, hard work, and good results. Bottom uh, right, easy work, good results, where basically both the Bruins' goaltenders are. Um, Top left is heavy work, bad results. And uh, the bottom left would be bad results.
1: You'll notice a little Toronto Maple Leaf symbol in that heavy work, bad results. Yeah. (laughs) That is Frederick Anderson, (laughs)
0: heavy work, (laughs)
1: Um, bad results the, because bad defense in front of him would be my,
0: and also a lot of games played.
1: Well, I, heavy heavy work, yeah.
0: Um,
1: I'm assuming you. I'm assuming heavy work indicates not only number of shots faced per night, but I'm just assuming heavy work indicates number of games played, uh, number of shots they face per night. Uh, how many of those are quality chances that? Uh, there's got to be something that goes into what is considered heavy work. So,
0: Well, um, for the two axes of the chart are uh, expected goals against per 60 uh, going up and goals against uh, goals saved against per 60 going uh, left to right. Okay. There um, know, yeah. Linus Olmark is closer to the easy work, good results and Carter Hutton um is closer to the heavy work bad results but both sit in the easy work bad results (sighs) i think part of what this is saying there's a difference in how the teams play in front of them and i'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing but it almost certainly is a thing and uh depending on how much longer we're between games um I think I'd love to get a good uh, Sabres blogger on here and talk to them for uh, fifteen twenty minutes about uh, about this because I think it could be really really fascinating. Um, uh, I don't did, know that.
1: Go ahead. Well, I was gonna. No, I was just gonna say uh, Anthony Anthony does actually indicate in here that it's. Overall, it's no secret that the Sabres are an improved team defensively in comparison to a season ago. Uh, They've allowed a league average of unblocked shots against and have done a slightly better job of limiting high-danger opportunity against, though still not spectacular. Uh, He really does a bang-up job. I mean, he he delves in, when Hutton is on the ice, the Buffalo defense allows three excess shots per hour over their season average. Uh, I mean, he's starting to lose me on some of this.
0: <laughs> it, it really is a great article. Um, I think that uh, without uh, the time uh, without time spent watching games, that everyone should wander over to die by the blade and pick up this article from the uh, from the eleventh, how goaltender. <clears throat> it's uh, titled "How goaltender performance has affected the Sabers' results." Um, it's worth a it's worth a read. It's probably not. It's definitely not a short or soft read. Um, I'd give yourself a good twenty ish minutes. Um, uh, but definitely worth uh, definitely worth the time. Uh, back to the Bruins. Seventh player award. Uh, Who are your three, four candidates? Or is there only one for you? <laughs> uh,
1: I think he deserves to be... I I think Halak deserves to be a candidate. I don't know that he'll get it. I, I don't know the last... Did Did Rask ever win it? Do goaltenders oh, actually Rask win the, the seventh player Tim award?
0: Thomas? Tim Thomas, I think, won it twice.
1: I, think Halak, I think Halak should be a leading candidate for it, and I know where you're going to go with this. And okay, I, I think with more time, I would. And okay, go ahead. I, I I'm I'm jumping ahead here. I'm. Sure. I'm
0: of two minds on on Halak. I love the way he performs, but if we're going with the official definition of the of the award, which is player who has performed above expectations, he does not qualify. Just Why not he be in the running? This is the way that he is that he I is expect the, him to play. He is the backup goaltender. He is still better than a third of the league starters. And we knew that. Oh, when I, I,
1: I completely agree. <laughs> I think if he was goaltending up in Buffalo, it might be a different story. <laughs> Although he'd still get abused because it's Buffalo, but
0: yes. Uh, so I I, he hits my expectations, okay. um, so but, I I really can't give it to him. But uh, that
1: rules out like everybody on the team except for whoever the latest rookie is. That you know like Connor Clifton. Um. Yes and no. What expectations do you have? Seriously, what expectations do you have of Connor Clifton since he hasn't played a full season in the NHL yet? So
0: he can't he only eat played. Them. He still hasn't played a full season because he missed a bunch of games. Um, you know, can't give it to
1: Bergeron. I suppose we're not you could consider Bergeron the
0: po- or Pasternak.
1: I suppose you could consider Pasternak because he's going. He, he's on the verge of hitting fifty. Did you expect fifty out of him? I kind of did. The way his career has been ramping up, he he's I year over year he's scoring more goals. And on the line that he plays on. I expect offensive production from him, so I can't give it to him. Uh, Grizzlick would be somebody I'd consider. I think that he's performed. Yeah.
0: Here's This is where I was kind of trailing uh, or, or at least listing in the direction of. Okay, go ahead. And I think all of the candidates are defensemen. I really think all of the candidates are defensemen. Now that,
1: now that, I, would, now that I can agree with. Because I, I think, think that Carlo is Carlo Carlo is definitely an emerging number one.
0: Um, I think you have to talk about Clifton, even though he's only played 31 games. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, he had a great hot streak at the end of the year last year, and he was unfairly and detrimentally to the team pulled from the seventh game by. Yeah, the the,
1: we could we can. We could spend the whole show just on the seventh game and the decisions that were made.
0: Uh, the, yeah, but – and, I, uh, you know, he came in – He's this is his second trip up to Boston this year. Um,
1: and we're going to talk about him. Go we're going to talk
0: about him. Jeremy. I Lozon. like him. I've always liked him. <laughs> he has come to the NHL and looked like he's been here all year both times when he's come up.
1: Jeremy Lozon.
0: And that's not easy to do. Not
1: only that, but he's he, – he he doesn't – he comes up here. He looks like he belongs. And every time he's been called up, he looks like he belongs. I mean this isn't like uh, he's somehow revamping himself. Every time he's been called up, he looks like he belongs. He looks like an NHL player. He looked like an NHL player last year when he was called up for a game or two. Yeah. Uh, much better than Jakub Zaborl. Um
0: Zaborl at some point I'm was, Z- 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 was not a good draft choice
1: uh better than axel anderson but that's a very low bar
0: yeah but axel anderson was a second round pick not a first round pick
1: yes and I can't even argue that one it's just uh Axel anderson. Uh, I think that they didn't know who to take, so they just picked a name. They uh,
0: went alphabetically, apparently.
1: Well, there's that too. Yeah, Jeremy Lozon looks good. Not afraid of contact. Goes into corners. I've seen him
0: break up two on ones. Uh, he doesn't look like does The stage isn't be, too big for him. It's not too seem fast to be out of position. And it's not like he's huge. Is he bigger than Clifton and Grizzlick and Krug? Yes, but he's not nearly as big as Carlo or Chara.
1: and willing, um, to, drop the, and willing to drop the gloves with actual pugilists, not like not somebody like uh, Kylo Yamamoto or something.
0: <laughs>
1: well, it'd be one thing if he dropped the gloves with like Nick Suzuki or Kyla Yamamoto or one of the smaller, you know, 5'7". five foot seven guy. But I'm trying to remember who it was that he fought, but it was like, it, it, it was like somebody that you would expect to be a fighter or has been in fights in the past. And I don't remember who it was, but it was just like, yeah, he just dropped the gloves. He went and it was and he looked good doing it.
0: Um, let's see. Matthew Kachuk. Was that the one you were talking Matthew about?
1: Matthew That would be the guy.
0: Yeah. I mean, Matthew Kachuk has. Had one or two NHL fights, I think. Well,
1: it depends. Uh, If you if you ask Zach Cassian, he usually turtles away from them. But you know,
0: well, Zach Cassian is the authority (laughs) on everything. (laughs) Everything. Um. But I, I genuinely think, as much as I was hoping it was going to be Anders Bjork who showed a whole bunch of good signs. Um, this year, I think that and uh, chief among them, staying healthy. <laughs> I think the unfair part, and yes, the the
1: seventh player award is a fan based award, so it's a, it's somewhat of a popularity contest. I think the issue with Anders Bjork winning it or not is that he doesn't score enough goals. Uh, I yeah, realize that I realize yes. that Bruins, I realize that Bruins fans and hockey fans in the Northeast can recognize. More than just somebody's ability to score goals, I, I, I strongly believe that up here in the Northeast, we can recognize the talent of somebody who's willing to go into the corners, willing to get physical. Uh, Anders Bjork doesn't always he, he has the he has good hands. He can he, he's got good puck moving ability, but I don't think that he scores enough goals for people to vote for him to get the award. I think, I'm- no,
0: there's, there's literally no chance that he's getting the award this year. Unless, and forgive the term, uh, the puck bunnies decide that he's the cutest guy. On the team there they go. And, um, that, that he, that, and that that's why he's winning because it's happened in the past, but I haven't heard that sort of buzz around him. I think the only forward who might deserve to be in the conversation Um, is, uh, and this is a little known fact, he's from Weymouth.
1: I'd be interested to see if they vote for him as the home, as the, as the, as as, as like the, the home hometown favorite.
0: I mean, Charlie Coyle has done pretty much everything you could ask for from a third line, uh, center, um, during the time when Bergeron was out, he played he played uh, top six uh, forward uh, center minutes, and he looked good doing it. Um, he's not he, obviously he didn't put up the same level of offense that you'd expect from uh, from Bergeron, but he still got he still got stuff done. He got the puck to uh, to his wings. Um, he plays physically. He he may actually protect the puck better than any other forward on the team. And I say that knowing that I've watched Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand protect the puck really well for a decade, and Sean Corrales does it. Charlie Coyle
1: has an innate ability to hang on to the puck and protect it from having it knocked away, knocked off his stick. He is really good at it.
0: I mean, part of that is his size, and part of it is just he pays attention to The dynamics of controlling the puck really, really well and make sure that he does. You don't see him cough up a puck on the first time he gets hit or the second time he gets hit or the third time he gets hit. It's usually the fourth time or when the second or third opposing player gets there.
1: Uh, yeah i don't know what his i don't know what his stats are currently i have not 16, looked
0: at seven plus nine twenty one 21 37 plus 9 21 penalty minutes one power play goal there we uh, go five power Somebody's play been, points somebody had the numbers points, up somebody short handed points three game winners 145 shots and 11% shooting 11 shooting percentage
1: and if you want to complain about any of those things
0: um remember that he's not had a lot of help on the third line this year.
1: Yeah. I would also say that if you're going to complain about anything with regards to Charlie Coyle, maybe it's his 47% in the face off circle. That's it.
0: And honestly, and I it's think not like that's that terrible. terrible. No, uh, I'm willing to forgive anything above 46%. I don't, it could still be improved. Yes. I'm not going to give him a free pass, but he's got Krejci and Bergeron on the team. Uh, something he should consider very, very strongly this offseason is spending some time with one or both of them and working on his face-offs or going to one of the offseason training, uh, trainings to specifically work on that um, because I think that he can contribute even more.
1: Fifth on the team in goals... Uh, sixth on the team in overall points. <laughs> yeah, there's not a whole there's not a whole lot to complain about when it comes to Charlie Coyle. I I know that this is another player who would never win it. And yeah, he's a minus eight, but he's a forty six percent in the face off dot. Not that he takes many of them. Did you No, 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 no. This is a guy who uh fan favorite because or at least a fa- one of the favorites of mine just because he he's again physical and not afraid to go into corners uh Chris Wagner Oh, Wags, yeah. has given uh, I think that he he's another one that gives 110%. Uh while he's um while he's on the ice, a broken arm last year unfortunately held him out of the playoffs. Uh, Yeah, he's a fourth-line player, six goals, four assists, Uh, but, yes, he puts up a a whole lot of points. Um,
0: Okay. Um, Wagner, I really love, never going to complain about him getting the votes, and I think something else, someone else that needs to be talked about is Mr. Sean Corelli, and I will let you do that.
1: And Sean Ali is another one because this kid and I'll be the first to admit that I was not sold on him because of where he was coming from, what we were giving up for him. I didn't know a lot about him, but Sean Ali has stepped in to become a cult hero in this town, a fan favorite. He's physical. He scores in big moments. The spotlight's certainly not uh, too much for this guy. Yeah, he's only got six goals this year. 17 helpers, though, I mean, his face-offs are slightly under 49%. Can't complain about that. He's played on the wing and at center. He pretty much plays wherever he needs, and I know that at some point we were going to talk about whether he's better off as a winger or as a center. I don't know that I could make the distinction at this point because watching him play, it doesn't matter where he lines up. He's not far off of his... Uh, top goal scoring. He had eight goals last season. He's already got the most points that he's had in his career here in Boston. He's at twenty three last year was number one for him with twenty one. Nice. It's just it, it. The kid just keeps performing, and and when you perform in a in a town where a lot is expected of you from the fans because they're knowledgeable fans. They watch every game. They watch to see what you're going to do. He just keeps performing.
0: And <laughs> the consistency is really important because even, even more than the, than the points, which are, in my opinion, bonus, if, with the minutes most fourth liners get, anything above 15 points a season is pure bonus. If you're defensively sound fourth liner with more than 15 points, you, in my opinion, have at least earned your paycheck.
1: And and my my thing with my thing is how many times have we said, whether it's just you and I talking or or on Twitter or and and I've heard Jack say it, how many times have we heard that the fourth line is the best line on the ice tonight?
0: I. Too many. Unfortunately, the answer to that is too many. And- I, and I and I agree, but to have to have the
1: benefit of having a fourth line and Sean Crawley being on that fourth line, to have that kind of benefit, where unfortunately, if the other lines, you know, top line is struggling, they're not scoring tonight, whatever. To have a fourth line that you can rely on and allows Cassidy to roll four lines consistently.
0: Uh, yes, and as I said, there—the fact that they are actually a two-way fourth line—is you. Un- it's not necessarily unique in the NHL. They're not just out there to be, be physical. Highly effective. They're not out there to be physical. They're not out there just to give the top two lines, you know, forty-five seconds off. Uh, they're there to adjust the pace of play and the zone. They advance you- the puck.
1: How many fourth-liners average 13, 14 minutes a night?
0: Outside of Boston, not very (laughs) many. (laughs) Literally not very many, because, I mean, you go back to uh, the 11-12 Cup run, or the 10-11 Cup run, and the Merlot line, as that that edition was called, um, those guys were averaging that many minutes, and look where it took Boston. Um, Other teams... I don't know. Other teams, I don't know if they've noticed the formula.
1: I, it's yeah, it's just a question. I mean, it's Sean Corrali averages 13 minutes and seven, 13, 17 a night. Uh, Wagner's at 1226. Who's his other usual partner? Um, Joachim Nordstrom, he's at 12 minutes, even parland at 1115. You want to start diving into anybody who's playing less than 10 minutes a night. There are not many on here.
0: No, if you're on the Boston game night game time roster, unless you are literally less than a year out of college or out of the out of juniors or you're probably going to play 12 or 14 minutes forward defenseman doesn't matter. You're you're going to play. You're not a placeholder. You're not uh, some sop to the league rules. You're you're there to make an impact. Uh, that's been true under Cassidy, um, and it was it was true under uh, Julian as well. Top
1: top forward in average time on ice is
0: oh, that's David Pasternak.
1: Wrong. Really. Rad Marchand averages 19 and a half minutes a night. Pasternak is about 30 seconds behind him at
0: 1858.
1: Okay. Third, yep. Third is Bergeron at 1844. Top defenseman, uh, top player would be, yeah, you go ahead and guess it. It's okay.
0: Brandon, I'll,
1: I'll forgive you. Yeah, you wish. So do I. It's not. Oh, it's Mr. the McElroy? hall of. It's the hall of famer. Yeah. Wow. Averages twenty three minutes a night. He's two minutes ahead of Zdeno Chara, at twenty one, and then Tori Krug is third at twenty twenty nine, tied with Carlo. By the way, Krug and Carlo have the same average time on ice.
0: Uh, which is kind of not that surprising, given that they play together and have been mostly healthy this year. Agreed. But yeah, uh,
1: Sean Karela. There are players on this team that deserve it. But my, I, I, it's not an argument. Based, but my, on the,
0: based on the way the award is written, you really can only give it to like two <laughs> um, or three guys. Lozon. <laughs> Lozon he, Clifton, but he's only or, got
1: but he's only got nineteen games. Clifton, but like you said, he's got thirty-one games.
0: Yeah, it, it's it's a hard award to give out this year because there's not a lot of turnover. You have a good bead on what to expect from, uh, Everybody from the roster. And, you know, as much as I am a huge fan of Yarrow lock and have been for a decade, uh, um, yeah,
1: I have been since he was with the Canadians. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He dragged them into what was it? The second round
1: after kicking and screaming when Carey price went down injured. Yeah.
0: Harry Price doesn't get injured.
1: Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, you realize
0: you realize the
1: average. You realize he actually has more average time on ice than Tuga Rask too. By the way, <laughs> just to, just for one more stat to show that he has he does more than Tuga. <laughs> he actually has about thirty seconds more average time on ice than Yeah. <laughs> I see. Hey, gotta have my. Gotta take my. uh, uh, Take my bonuses where I can, my little bonuses. Uh, We could say John Moore. He's done a hell
0: of a job sitting in the press box. He has. He's done it almost as well as any of the injured players um, when he's healthy. Um, He's played in.
1: A whopping 24 games this season. Which
0: is only 26
1: too many. He has three points on the season, two goals and one assist, uh, 11 penalty minutes. Mm. He averages 16 and a half minutes of ice time. I I mean, based on when they signed him, all I could see was Don Sweeney just watched – his last year in a New Jersey Devils uniform, because his last year in, the, in a Devils uniform was—he was actually
0: a, looked like a useful defense
1: Was a pretty good season, and I think that when they when Sweeney signed him, I think it was based solely on that season. I don't think he took in the full body of work.
0: And yeah, the full body of work is much more like what we've seen since he got here, um, which is to say, uh, mm, yeah, aggressively unspectacular.
1: I'd be inclined to agree. He's, yeah, he's been some... One
0: might even say aggressively anti-spectacular.
1: I mean, not a huge points producer. Uh, His best season was 16-17 when he had 22 points in 63 games. And that's the other thing is he doesn't have a whole lot of seasons where he's played um, a lot of games. Uh, that's, uh, he spent. That's because
0: most people can recognize his level of talent and contribution.
1: Ah, okay, good call, good call.
0: <laughs> uh, so, anything else we want to cover this week?
1: This week, um, did we have anything exciting? Uh, actually, I want, uh, we can lump. I, I had found. A, I got to figure out why I put him on here. I found a. I started looking at Prospects after Corona happened, and... and nope, no, no. So we're not going to talk about the non-players, and... Yeah, you know what, we can...
0: We actually probably, talk about the non-players, uh, and how... Well, we talked about the arena people.
1: We did not talk about the arena people, actually.
0: Oh, that you're right, that was before we started recording. We spent that like 40 minutes that, talking before we the, started about hit the button
1: only because I wanted to complain about one in particular, but we can certainly hold off on that. We don't have to go further. We don't have to dive into the negative right away. We can leave some negative for next week if you'd like.
0: Well, um, I, we could always just focus on the positive, uh, of that aspect of that particular story. And there is some positive, um, Most of the teams, many of the teams are actually kicking in and paying for uh, the staff during this interruption or what we hope is an interruption. Um,
1: uh, The the idea behind this is that. The players, you know, if there's no games going on in the stadiums, there's no there are people who work in the stadiums that are there on either a part time basis or on a, I don't know, per diem type of thing. But they're still reliant upon that salary as their salary. It's not like this is their part time job just to put a little extra cash in their pocket. Some of them some of the people that work in these stadiums and you know the cleaning crews and the we're not just talking about the 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 T-takers vendors and, and the, vendors, the yeah. ushers and whatnot yeah, and for them to have no games, nothing going on in the stadiums because it, rules or people are shut down, they're not getting paid so there are teams and players who are out there um, Bobrovsky in Florida and 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 so on and so forth they're trying they're contributing money. Uh, teams and owners are actually willing to in in very few cases but in where they're paying these people their salaries regardless or trying to put together uh, some sort of a fund to pay them out of the fund whatever it may be so that they're not missing out on what they need to provide for their families
0: and i think i think that uh, without diving too deep into the negative I think that the rest of them, if they are smart, probably should, simply because there is the job market out there is it, it's, it's an employee market just about everywhere. If you can't keep those people, you might not have people selling beers and popcorn and T-shirts when, uh, when the season resumes. Because everything from the post office in the U.S. Uh, to pick your favorite uh, retail store or restaurant chain has had their new now hiring sign out permanently for like like the last five years. It, it, my advice to any of the arena people who are not uh, not sure they're going to get a paycheck: <laughs> look, the post office has great benefits. I don't work there myself, but um, – and a, as a government agency, they don't shut down very often.
1: Yeah, and I, I don't I, – I still see the mailman walking by uh, every day but Sunday, so.
0: Yeah, it, it's it, – it, you, have, you have the freedom to go where you need to go, take care of your family first, and always stay safe. Anything
1: else? No, I think we I think we pretty much covered everything for the week.
0: Okay, ladies and gentlemen, wash your hands. Stay safe. Find something uh, that makes you laugh a couple of times a day. Um, I'm deeply of the belief that the reaction we're seeing is too strong, and I have spent a good amount of time reading scholarly articles and talking to my friends who are immunologists and virologists and various forms of biologists about this disorder. Um, I think that this situation is not going to, should not continue too long. My beliefs of why it's happening are not something that are fit for the show. Uh, But look forward to talking to you next week. We're going to try and dive into some prospects Maybe we can get a couple of, uh, of draft guides, and who knows what else. Maybe we'll have more news on players back uh, at practice uh, by then. Chris,
1: everybody, uh, continue to wash hands, stay safe. If you have, if you are sick, by all means, push the fluids, take care of yourself, and take care of your families, and just catch up on your reading. And till hockey comes back,
0: awesome, ladies and gentlemen. as always, thank you for listening. Share the show uh widely uh tell all of your friends that nothing better happens in your week. Um, <laughs> because it's true.
1: Thank you. I was
0: we love you. take care.